Good morning. As I welcome you here today, I have a few announcements that we need to make. First of all, on the Boy Scouts, if you haven't already seen, they're outside, our new Boy Scout troop selling popcorn, which is the equivalent to the Girl Scouts selling the uh, cookies, and they're selling popcorn after the service, and I hope you'll, uh, this is their major fundraiser for them, I hope you'll go and buy some popcorn after the service in support of the Boy Scout troop. Now, Cub Scouts, we've talked about it, that we might be able to have a Cub Scout troop, and we've been told that the leaders are in place. They're ready to start their Cub Scout pack, and the Cubs are open for boys' grades one through five, and the first meeting for parents and Cubs will be November the 10th at seven o'clock at the Rock House. Please help pass the word to as many boys as you can. If you'd like to know more, you can contact uh, Alan, who is our scouting coordinator. All right, today is the big day of, of uh, Halloween Carnival and Trunk or Treat, and it starts with a pumpkin carving party at the Family Life Center at two o'clock. And uh, what uh, the pumpkin, the best carved pumpkin is gonna be auctioned off to, at tonight's uh, Halloween Carnival. And uh, monies raised will benefit Memorial's children and youth. Uh, pumpkins and carving materials will be supplied, so you just need to come, maybe dress in something that you don't mind getting dirty. And then at five o'clock, uh, Halloween Carnival and Trunk or Treat, it begins at five in the Family Life Center. Uh, and there you'll have fun and games. There will be dinner for of you adults who want to come just see the kids. There'll be dinner uh, provided by the youth. There's going to be a hayride, inflatables, and so much more. That's the Carnival inside Family Life Center today at 5 o'clock. And then at 6.30, they'll move outside for the trunk or treat. And so I hope that you'll come and, and be part of this. It's a big deal for the children every year. Uh, and uh, the money raised throughout all this is going to the youth and the children. All right. Let us begin our worship together.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray together. Lord, we come here today because we can, because you have created this amazing world, because you've given us days and nights to live by. You've given us minds to make decisions and understand with, and hearts to fill with, and because we're lucky enough to have the freedom to use these gifts. Amen. Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. may be seated and we'll let the Lavender family come up now and we'll ask all of you to look in your insert and your bulletin. Little William Benjamin Lavender. There's his official papers. Hello there, buddy. You're all awake today, aren't you? <laughs> The church is of God and will be preserved to the end of time for the conduct of worship, the due administration of God's word and sacraments, the maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipline, the edification of believers, and the conversion of the world. And all of every age and station stand in need of the means of grace which the church alone supplies. Baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through which grace we partake, partake, become partakers of His righteousness and heirs of His life eternal. Those receiving the sacrament are thereby marked as Christian disciples and initiated in the fellowship of Christ's Holy Church. And our Lord has expressly given to little children a place among the people of God, which holy privilege must not be denied them. Hey there. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how He said, let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. And so these parents are coming here now to sponsor this child, and make sure that this child grows up in the church, and that someday this child will go through confirmation and will affirm for himself his belief in Jesus Christ. So I ask you, beloved, do you in presenting this child for holy baptism reject all that is evil, repent of your sin, and accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord, Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? To the congregation, I asked you as Christ's body of the church, will you reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? We will. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this person that's now before you in your care and surround him with a community of love and forgiveness? We will. Let us pray over our water. Eternal Father, your mighty acts of salvation have been made known through water. 
from the moving of your spirit upon the waters of creation to the deliverance of your people through the flood and through the Red Sea. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb, baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. And Jesus called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. So we pray, O oh God, you'd pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and to those who receive it to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I don't know. You think you'll let me hold him? <laughs> we'll see. Okay. How you doing, buddy? You don't know who's got you, do you? You just had a six-month birthday, didn't you? A few weeks ago? That's what I thought. William Benjamin Lavender, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through the water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to let you hold him until I enter a little bit later in the service. Okay? When people are baptized into Christ's holy church, they are welcomed into this congregation as a preparatory member. And so, members of the household of God, I commend this child to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase his faith, confirm his hope, and perfect him in love. Let the congregation respond. Let us all pray. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, grant that this child, as he grows in years, may also grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that by the restraining and renewing influence of the Holy Spirit, may he ever be a true child of thine, serving thee faithfully all his days. So guide and uphold these parents and sponsors of this child, that by loving care, wise counsel, and holy example, they may lead him into that life of faith whose strength is righteousness and whose fruit is everlasting joy and peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bless, preserve, and keep you now and forevermore. Amen. Now let me see. I'm going to present him, and the choir is going to sing a special song for him. to all these people.
Here you go. He did great. He did great. Congratulations. Thank you. Don't forget that. Now, if the little children that are here would come forward for children's time. doing? Today I'm going to talk to you about books and then one very special books. Do you like books? Yes? Good. Um, some books you're going to know, some you might not, and one of them I hope you know for sure. When you were a baby or a very young toddler, your parents probably read you something like this or some book like that. Do you know this one? Do you know it? Yeah? And when you were little, you probably wanted to read it over and over and over again. You sat on your parents' lap, and they read it to you, and you kept wanting to read it again and again. So this is one of them. How about this one? Do you know this one? No, Sarah knows it. It's one of her favorites. Well, not anymore. Or maybe still. What do you think? And is this a grown-up book? No, it's probably for little kids, and they like to read it too. And you can tell the pages are really thick, right? So that they can chew on them if they want to, and that kind of stuff. How about, how about this book? Do you think little babies read this book? How old, what kind of kids read this book? Second grade, third grade, yeah? Do you, does it have a lot of pictures in it? No. How long do you think it takes to read this kind of book? Five seconds? Yeah, like one minute or so. How long does this kind of book take? 15 minutes? I think a little bit longer. What did you say? Two days if you read it, like several hours a day. But yeah, it'll take you uh, several days or maybe a week to read it. How about something like this? Do you think this is for kids? No, it's probably for grown-ups. And do you know how many pages it has? Good guess, Sarah. It's got, oh my gosh, it has 784 pages. How long do you think it takes to read this book? A week? More, she's a fast reader. <laughs> it take, I, I read three pages a night and I fall asleep, so it takes me about two months. Um, yeah, it takes a while to read this kind of book. Um, let me see. So I said children usually love books and they love to hear the stories told over and over. And this kind of book, a child might read 20 times, 30 times. How about this kind of book? Probably once, maybe twice. And do you think grown-ups, they read this book how many times? Probably once, right? It takes a while to read it. And then when you're done with your books, actually, I forgot one. This is one of Sarah's favorites. Humphrey, do you know Humphrey? He's pretty good. He's a, a little uh, hamster. Once you're done with the book, you might put it on your shelf, you might give it to somebody else, you might sell it at a yard sale. Sarah's gonna sell some of her books that she doesn't like anymore. She's gonna sell them at a yard sale, try to make some money, and then you're done with it, right? 
Well, there's one special book that I haven't shown you yet. What's this? The Bible. And do you know how many chapters it has? It, it, has, it has 66 books in it. Very good. 66 books. And each book has chapters in it. And it has 1,189 chapters. Have you ever read a chapter book that was that long? Probably not. And you know how many verses it has in it? 31,102 verses. So it's a very big book. And do you know how many pages are in this Bible? It has, it's less than 2,000. It depends on what kind of Bible you have, but this Bible, my Bible, has 1,424 pages. That's a lot of pages, right? How long do you think it takes to read this book? A couple weeks? Four weeks, Sarah says. Sarah Culberson says one year. That's probably more like, a, it, it's, it's hard reading. It's not easy reading that you can just uh, read all the time, but I would say it takes, they have a program that's called Reading the Bible in One Year, where you read a little bit of the Bible every time. Um, but do you think once you've read this book, you put it on the shelf or you sell it, sell it at a yard sale? Where do you put it? You keep it, yeah? You keep it close to where, keep it in your hands, yeah? You read it. This is the kind of book that you're going to read for the rest of your life. You're going to look at it, you're going to read it when you're sad, you're going to read it when you're happy, you're going to read it when you're in a class and they're making you read it, you're going to read it all kinds of different times. And this is a book that's going to help you in your life with any situation that you might face. It's kind of an amazing book, all right? Any, any situation that you face, this book has answers for you in it. And the Bible is God's word to us. And he said his words to us, and he appointed people to write these words down so that we could read them. And thank goodness he did that, because there's no way I could remember all these stories in my head without being able to refer back to it. Um, and the stories and his words remind us about his love and his care and his righteousness. Um, this church has classes for you, right? The Sunday school. Do you read Bible verses sometimes in Sunday school? Probably, right? How about at night with Miss Cindy and Miss Katie? You do Bible verses too, right? You just had one where you could win a prize if you knew your Bible verses. Well, for the grown-ups too, they've got Sunday school where they read part of the Bible, and we've got Bible studies at night. And some of these grown-ups are pretty old, right? But they keep reading the Bible over and over because there's always something new to learn in it. You can, it's really the most amazing book in the, in the world. Um, so let's close with a prayer. Repeat after me. God, thank you for the Bible which is your message to us. It contains all the information we need, and it contains no mistakes. Help us to understand your words so that we may lead a life that pleases you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank
is a psalm, Psalm 90, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 17. You can find it in your pew Bible on page 929 if you want to follow along. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. Going to verse 13. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We want to continue to pray for the Bomar and Leonard families during this time. Let us pray. O oh Lord, you are our dwelling place in all generations, and we, your people, come before you in praise and thanksgiving. We were made of the stuff of the earth, and like all of your creation, we are only made new through your mercy. You saved us that we might enjoy loving you, that you've saved us that we might love each other. And yet, as we come this day with our prayers and our petitions, we must confess first that we have failed you in many ways. We have not always loved with our whole hearts and we've not always loved each other. And yet we know of your great mercy. And so we ask this day that you would forgive us and that you would help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to speak, not to please others, but to please you. Enable us to speak clearly the word of grace with our mouths and to show it through our whole lives that people may come to you. Help us to be gentle and loving as we take care of others. Empower us to be gentle messengers of your healing power. Many this day are burdened with sickness in their bodies, their minds, their spirits. Many this day mourn. We pray, O oh Lord, for all those that are on our prayer list and those that we want to lift up now in our hearts. Satisfy us every day, O Lord, with your steadfast love, and answer us, for we pray in the name of Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray with these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
Let our ushers come forward as we continue our worship with our giving.
please be seated. Well, today we continue our discussion of the people in the church in Thessalonia. And if you remember, if you recall, uh, next Sunday is All Saints, and we will have our special All Saints liturgy. So we will move away from Thessalonians, but we'll come back to it the following two weeks. Paul said last week, he talked about their faith at Thessalonian church. He said it was a faith worth talking about. And if we want a faith worth talking about, we need to follow their example. Their endurance, their endurance, their stick to itness, their willingness to, to endure pain for kingdom work. These were all inspired by their hope in Jesus Christ. And what's most important to remember is they had turned away from God's substitutes in their life to serve the living and true God. And so the Christians in Thessalonia are and still a model for believers. But how did they get that way? Well, when Paul wrote these words I'm getting ready to read, I'm not sure that he realized that he gave us five effective keys to leadership in what he described that he had been doing. But listen and see if you can pick them out and then we'll talk about them. I'm at chapter 2, beginning verse 1. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who test our heart. And you know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. And for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you all into His kingdom and glory. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank You for all Your words, especially how Paul speaks to the churches, encourages them, sets forth his own example of how we should live, and hopefully, Lord, we'll see and learn how we can be effective leaders in our church, in our community, our businesses. We pray in your name. Amen. You know, President Harry Truman, who, of course, is long dead and was a former president, once commented on leadership, and he said this. He said, I wonder how far Moses would have gotten if he'd taken a poll in Egypt. It isn't the polls or public opinion of the moment that counts. It's leadership. Leadership. 
You see the people at the helm, whether, whether it is a coach or a teacher, whether it's a business owner, whether it's leaders in the church, leadership is really very, very important. And I believe that Paul exhibits leadership to this church and to the other churches. And I found some keys to effective leadership as I read the scripture. The first thing I saw was that good leaders are people of courage. They're people of courage. You see, why does a good leader need to be a person of courage? Because a leader's mission is to take people from where they are to where they need to be. And anytime you do that, there will be opposition. If you lead, there will be opposition. To do what you know is the right thing in the face of opposition takes courage. Listen again to verse 2. We dared to tell you the gospel in spite of strong opposition. Now, one thing you need to know is that right before Paul came to Thessalonia and visited them, he had spent this time in Philippi, which he, he uh, references in his letter. There he was exposed. Uh, uh, he, he was not exposed. He exposed someone who was a fraud who was a fortune teller and was getting a lot of money from people uh, try, uh, claiming to know their fortune. And Paul exposed this person as a charlatan. And when that happened, this, uh, this caused Paul a lot of grief because this guy was making a lot of money from this. And he had, had a lot of influence in the community and he had Paul beaten with rods and thrown into a dark prison for a while. That's opposition. Because Paul spoke the truth. Good leaders will stand up in spite of strong opposition. And Jesus told us that there in John 3.19 that people will oppose the truth. Uh, Jesus said this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light. They love lies instead of truth because their deeds were evil. And even way back in the Old Testament, the prophet Amos, after he came and declared a word uh, from, from God to the people, it is uh, written in Amos 8, 11, where the people said, we can't bear God's words. Leave this place and go speak somewhere else because we don't want to hear what you're telling us. Now that's opposition. You see, the thing is, though, that when we feel opposition, our tendency is not to speak the truth, to water it down. But good leaders will speak the truth in spite of opposition. So my first key, I believe, that is seen here by Paul is that good leaders are people of courage. And the second thing is that good leaders are driven by some purpose. Some purpose greater than themselves. Now it was common in Paul's day for people to come in to a town. They, he, in the scriptures, uh, Paul refers to them as super apostles. Uh, they would come into town. They would prophesy a little bit. They, they'd demand some money. Then they'd head out before anyone could figure that what they had prophesied was phony. It was never going to come about. Today's day, uh, to, in today's time, probably the crooked televangelist is probably right up there with what Paul's describing here. But see, Paul tells the people very clearly, I didn't use flattery or trickery. He told people up front that if you're coming to Christ, it's a commit everything proposition. 
And that's something for us to remember as leaders. If we are to win people, we must not win them with tricks or flattery. We must win them to whatever we want to win them to. In our case, as Christian leaders, to Christ. But this works also in other areas of leadership. Uh, and, and, and even in the church, for example, as youth ministry, if, if we just supply the young people in our community with endless supply of fun and parties and pizza, we ha won't win them to Christ, we'll win them to pizza. And the same thing goes with adults that we're trying to get to come and be part of the kingdom of heaven. If we win adults by saying things like, just come here and enjoy happy times, anything goes, we, won't, we will not have won them to the sacrificial nature of Christ suffering. We won't have won them to sacrificial giving and working and ser serving others in Christ's name. We will have won them to self-serving, please me attitudes. So leaders have to keep sight of the purpose of what their purpose is. What's the main thing? And not allow themselves to be distracted from their goal. And Paul's main thing, of course, his main purpose uh, was Christ Jesus and the church. And he says there clearly in the scripture, we're not trying to please people. We're trying to please God who tests our hearts. The main thing for you as a Christian is to please God, whether or not this, not just here on Sunday morning, but to please God in your work life, your school life, your recreational life. That's your main thing. That's your main purpose. And that's part of being an effective leader. Now, there's always going to be opposition to leaders uh, who, won't, who won't please people. But good leaders do not allow themselves to lose sight of their goal. Good leaders are driven by their purpose. Their purpose. Now, the third thing I, I, I could see in this was good leaders are people of integrity. My dad, when I was growing up, my dad took me to hunting a lot. I don't know if any of you hunt. Anybody here hunters or ever hunted? Okay. The, uh, we, hunt, we hunted for just about everything. We did, we did squirrels and rabbits and uh, turkeys and deer and uh, uh, dove and quail. I was trying to think, is anything else? We even we went frog gigging. I guess that's kind of hunting. We, 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 went, we did a little bit of everything. We even went boar hunting one time, which is a scary thing, I'll tell you right now, to go boar hunting. But uh, up in the foothills and the mountains of North Carolina where I grew up, if you, when you came out of the woods and you got on the main roads there, usually at hunting season, the uh, park rangers and other people, wildlife and game folks, would set up what was called a check station. Any of you ever know what a check station is? A, a check station is where you have to stop and let the governing authorities check to see if you have uh, maybe killed too many deer. Have, maybe you're over your limit, okay? Whatever it might be, whatever you were hunting for. And so they will check, and if you are, if you violate the rules, they'll check to see if you've got your hunting license. Of course, you could get fined. Well, one day when we had gone hunting, but we had we had struck out. We had we hadn't we didn't we were we didn't have a thing. We had not killed anything that day in our hunting expedition. But we were on our way home, and on our way home we saw a sign. It said check station within a thousand yards. 
And right where the sign was, there was another little road that went off to the right, a little country road known by people who are local like my dad and knew that that road would go around and bypass the next section of road. And so dad went that way. We didn't have anything to check. But we went that way because Dad says, I want to avoid the congestion that will be ahead. Well, when we went that way, guess who we, guess what was set up there? The check station. The check station. Of course, we didn't have anything to worry about. We had our hunting license so far. But Dad, I remember Dad saying, there's going to be a whole lot of people surprised when they try to avoid the check station and cut down this road. Those people were people not of, not of integrity. You see, they didn't have integrity. Paul says you have to have integrity. And the way you have integrity is people know where you stand and what you believe. But the lack of integrity causes people to lie, to cheat, to avoid a check station, to say one thing and mean another, to break commitments to their family, their friends, their Lord, and their church. Without integrity, you never really know if you can believe what a person is saying or if what they say, they will do. Jesus said, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. Friends, it is integrity that prevents someone from entering into a shady business deal. It's integrity that causes a person to tell the truth even when it will cost them. And it's integrity that makes someone do the right thing instead of the easy thing. So good leaders are people of integrity. Fourth, good leaders are people who care. Look at verse 7. Paul said, We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her children. Now the word used in that verse for caring actually means nursing. Now when a mother nurses her baby, it's important for her to eat well. Think about it to make sure that she has proper nutrition so that what she eats will feed the baby properly. But friends, you can't give what you don't have. Therefore, it's very important for us to take care of ourselves spiritually first. We must be spiritually fed. And if the only place you're being spiritually fed is worship or Sunday school, it's not enough. And church leaders out there, listen to me. The church members feed off of your spirituality. And what you eat spiritually, whether good or bad, is what the church eats. And if the leaders of the church do not eat spiritually, they have nothing to give. They're spiritually dried up. And so I ask all of you, how is your spiritual diet? Paul goes on, he says, We loved you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel but our lives as well because you have become so dear to us. Friends, good leaders are people who care. People do not care how much you know until they know you care. In my opinion, the best way to win people for Christ in today's society is to care for people. Care for them. No strings attached. Love them and care for them. Be compassionate to them and kind to them with no strings attached. They'll come around eventually and they'll ask you about why you're that way. And there's your opening. The Bible teaches that good leaders are caring like mothers. Good leaders are people who care. Okay, finally, last one's this. 
this in this one it should have probably been first but this is what makes it all work good leaders have to be first right with the lord not right not right with the board of directors not right with the administration not you know not right with the stockholders but first right with god you are witnesses to god's love in your life and, and paul said to those there he said you are witnesses and so is god of how holy righteous and blameless we were among you you see leaders have to be holy righteous and blameless and have proper relations not only with each other but with the lord first so good leaders uh, have to be right with God, in my opinion, no matter what your vocation is. Uh, good leaders are honest, sincere, kind, and trustworthy individuals. But more importantly, and the source of that comes from their right relation with God. This is an ancient idea that goes back to Old Testament times. And it was played out again during the, during the days of kings and queens on our earth. Uh, because when one was crowned a king or queen, uh, it, they were crowned by who? The religious authorities, the bishop. And this, show, this was a way of saying that what you do is a result of what God is doing through you. In ancient Israel, before a king was placed on the throne, a ceremony would take place similar in which they would take a scroll that contained the word of God and they would hold it over the head of this one that was to be king of Israel. And it was to underscore the fact that God is the source for all good leadership. God is the source. God is the source. The reason it's important for you as a leader in the community or in a business or in your school to be right with God is because being a leader is a tough job. And to be a leader, you need help. You need all the help you can. But you really need the, the one who has the most power in the whole wide world, and that's the Lord. You need the power that He can help you with. And that's why a right relationship is important. How did Paul face all these oppositions to his ministry? He faced them with courage. How was he able to do that? Because he got help from the place that will help him, from God. Listen again to the verses. It says in the text, let it speak. With the help of God, we dared to tell you the gospel in spite of strong opposition. So, friends, sometimes when you look at a scripture, you know, you might think, well, I don't, you have to look at it a little differently, I think. And so, when you look at this one, I hope you can see how Paul exhibited uh, keys to effective leadership, not just there, but all of through his ministry. And just simply to recap for you, I want you leaders here today to know that if you're going to be a good leader, you have to be a person of courage, you have to be driven by purpose. You have to be a person of integrity. You have to be a person who cares. You have to be a person who's right first with God because that's the source of your strength and your knowledge to do what's going to be required of you to do.
in your vocation. So last week, we saw that the people in Thessalonica were compassionate, receptive, evangelistic people who were being transformed daily by the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were being transformed to be good leaders in their church and in other places in their community. I hope you're enjoying what we're doing with Thessalonians. And like I said, next week, we celebrate our All Saints with our liturgy. Unfortunately, this year we have 10. We've had 10 to pass into glory from last All Saints, which last All Saints we had 12. So we are, we are translating people to heaven uh, pretty regularly around here. And I hope you'll come next week for a very special service of remembrance. Uh, as we remember them. Let's stand and sing our closing hymn.
receive now the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our almighty, eternal, triune God, one God, now and forevermore. Amen.